alone in the body of Christ. And one of those things that we're not honest about is that there is an epidemic of fear in the body of Christ. There's an epidemic of, of fear uh, that is causing us not to be able to receive from God the things that are necessary uh, uh, for the kingdom to advance. And the devil's happy with it, and you think that you are, uh, uh, you're being kind or that you're being content or that you're being a good Christian and accepting certain things in the, in the way of fear. You, you believe that you're doing the right thing, but you're not doing the right thing. Amen. What, what you are is being robbed from the things that God wants to do in your life. And so we continue our series on uh, the blessing of God. And so we're going to prove this morning why we need it. And uh, but again, there is an epidemic of fear in the body of Christ. And there has been for a long time. You see a few people overcome it and go on and be able to to do some things that God wants us to do. Do you think that Jesus was able would have been able to do the things that he did? in his short lifetime, uh, if he had been a person of fear, right? Not that Jesus, I want you to understand something too. Fear is real. They say that uh, uh, fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Uh, it can be real evidence that you see that's real, right? Fear is real, but fear does not have the right to stop us from doing what God, God has for us to do. Fear is real, but fear does not have the right to stop us from doing what God has for us to do. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross or he was he was uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane and they was coming to get him? And the Bible says that he was there praying. And the Bible says that Jesus was so concerned. Right. He was so upset. The Bible says that he sweat as drops of blood. Right. But his fear did not stop him from doing what he understood was necessary to do at that time. Everybody got that? His fear did not stop him from doing what he know that needed to be done. And so in the body of Christ for us, what we do is we put fear in a place, right? We put fear in a place to say, uh, and, and we put it in a subconscious place and we, it's masked as something else. Our fear becomes masked or, you understand Halloween, you put a mask on and that means that they can't see the real you. You present a facade of something else, but it's really not, not the real you. So fear puts on a mask of con contentment. So I'm really afraid to make this move, so I put a mask on and say I'm content. Right? But that's not, that's, we, we, don't, we shouldn't accept certain things and put on the mask of contentment uh, uh, in, in some areas. Understand something that, that Jesus, from the time that the church was conceived, people fought to advance the kingdom of God. The disciples, most of them, man, were, were killed for their faith, right? A bunch of servants were crucified upside down. Some of them say, man, we don't deserve to be crucified like Christ crucified us upside down. They went through some things for the sake of the gospel. Them, them guys was beaten and thrown in jail for the advancement of the gospel. Don't you know that they were afraid when they were coming to them and they were saying to them, hey, you better shut this Jesus talk up or we're going to beat you down and we're going to throw you in jail. But I'm going to tell you something. Fear was not enough to stop them from doing what God called them to do. Fear is not an excuse for kingdom people not to do what God called us to do. And so what happens uh, again is that, I mean, I'm telling you, when you start challenging people with something like this, you know, if you've ever been in an environment that's got a lot of roaches, when you turn the light on the roaches, they scatter. Right? You, and I'm not saying you had roaches at your house, but maybe you went over a relative's house. 
right? You went over a relative's house and they had roaches over there and at night the roaches got free reign to move around and, you know, do whatever they're going to do. Then when you come in, you know, in the middle of the night, you just get that urge to go down to the refrigerator, hit that light switch, just start moving. Them roaches be getting somewhere. I had Kim folks' house, we used to go over, man, roaches were so bad, I ain't going to even go into the detail. Terrible, man. But, but that's the way it is. When you switch the light on, you know, you start telling people, you know, that, hey, look, hey, the real, the real reason why you don't want to do this is because you're scared. Right? And so what happens is, then they, they start, they want to get away from you. I don't want to hear that kind of talk. They're scattered like the roaches. But the, but the answer is not to scatter like a roach. The answer is to stand up and face your fear and understand, first thing in the title of this message, again, is to tell, somebody tell your neighbor, say, tell the truth. Tell the truth. We like to say it, tell the truth and shame the devil. You have to be honest and say to yourself, man, I'm scared. I'm afraid to make an emotional investment in the promises of God. I'm afraid that I'm going to be disappointed if I trust God in this area. I'm afraid of how it's going to feel. It's going to affect my relationship with God. Uh, sometimes we're afraid of what people are going to think about us when we, when we proclaim that God is able to do X, Y, or Z. I want to read something to you out of the Bible right now. We're going to talk about the uh, necessity of things. And we're going to attack this morning. We're going to attack uh, uh, poverty. We're going to attack sickness. And we're going to attack uh, uh, depression today. We're going to attack it. We're going to stop running from it. And we're going to attack it. This is Second Kings. Chapter, we'll look at chapter 6 toward the end of chapter 6. Wrong place. Right verse, I'm in the wrong place. Second Kings chapter 6. Uh, verse. Verse 26, 2 Kings 6, 26. And as the king of Israel was passing upon the wall, Lord, I just thank you and I pray that you help me to communicate this. This is your message. You gave me this to speak to them. Uh, this is not mine, but nothing that I really say that's good that comes out of my mouth from you. It ain't mine. It's just, it's just I'm just a mouthpiece. But help me to deliver to them, uh, to push into the places that it needs to go. These words uh, this morning, I pray you forgive me of any sin that I've committed knowingly and unknowingly, anything that would hinder uh, the anointing from flowing through me. And I pray, God, that their hearts, the ears of their hearts be open to receive what you have to say to them this morning in Jesus name. Amen. So verse 26 is in As the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, help my Lord, O king. And uh, he said, if the if the Lord does not help thee. Whence shall I help thee? Or if God can't help you, what can I do for you? Uh, out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? And the king said unto her, what aileth thee? You know, baby girl, what's your problem? Go ahead. I'm, I'm sure I can't help you, but just tell me what's on your mind. And she answered, and uh, she answered, this woman said unto me, give thy son that we may eat him today and we'll eat my son tomorrow. So it's, it's such a famine going on. There's nothing to eat. Right. The Bible says that in this time of this famine was going on, that uh, people were paying a high price for pigeon poop and donkey head. 
Now, none of that we see. You can't even get that off Amazon. But they said there was such a severe famine. And so the lady said, there's two ladies made a deal. And they said, hey, you know, uh, we'll eat my son today. And then we eat your son tomorrow. She said, so we bawled a son. We bought my son yesterday and we ate him. And now today she don't want to make good on the deal. She don't want to do her part. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman that he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall. And the people looked and behold, the king and he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. So that's what they used to do. They put a sackcloth in the ashes when they get real upset and something really terrible going on. So he's like, man, I don't know what to do about this. Then he said, and God do so more uh, also to me if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent for a man uh, from before him. And he said unto the elders, see how this son of a murderer has sent to take away mine head. Look, uh, look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and he told him uh, fast at the door. Is not the sound of the master's feet behind him? And while he yet talked with him, behold, a messenger came out unto him, and he said, Behold, this this evil is of the Lord. What should I uh, wait for the Lord any longer? So the king is mad. He sends a guy over there to Elisha. He said, Elisha caused all these problems. And so uh, then verse chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord, Tomorrow, somebody say tomorrow. Tomorrow about this time there shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. So he said tomorrow at this time this horrible famine is going to be over. This comes out of the mouth of the man of God. You know preachers say crazy things to people sometimes. They say crazy stuff. They talk faith talk. They say we're going to do this. God's going to bless it. Right. So there's a severe famine. Women over there eating their kids. But the the prophet said this is going to be over tomorrow about this time. He's not concerned. He's not upset over there. He speaks the word of God. Now, when you hear somebody say something like when you hear God's word, whether it's spoken through the mouth of somebody or through through the word, through the Bible, you have to decide what you're going to do with what God say. And so, uh, you know, Elijah speaks forth the word. Now, the king has a choice. If you're going to trust God and do what God says, and this is point number one, that you have to make an emotional investment in anything that you believe about God. You cannot walk by faith and not make an emotional investment. You have to make an emotional investment. When you when you choose to say that God's going to heal me, that I'm going to walk in divine health, that God's going to prosper me, you, you are choosing to make an emotional investment because if you... If you say, I, I trust you, God, I'm going to go along with it, you're putting yourself in a position or in a situation where you're saying, if this don't happen, I'm going to feel bad, I'm going to feel like God let me down, this, that, or the other. You cannot trust God or put your faith in God without making an emotional investment. So he tells him, tomorrow, this is what's going to happen. Now, verse 2, then uh, a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord would make the windows of heaven uh, make the windows in heaven might this thing ha- be and he said behold thou shalt see it with thine own ha- eyes and shalt not eat thereof right so he says look after you, you come back with this response it's going to happen but because you chose not to believe you're not going to participate if everybody else going to make it through the famine you lose heart you doubt the word of God you're not going to receive because you choose not to make the investment you choose not to make the faith investment you're not going to get it 
uh, verse 3. And there were four leprous men entering into the gate. And they said one to another. I want you to pay real close attention to this story. They said one to another, why sit we here until we die? So there's a famine going on. uh, People are praying a high price for donkey head and pigeon poop. Now you had a bird poop on your car? On your windshield on your car? Nobody ever had that happen to him. I'm the only one. Lenny, you had that happen to you before. Right? I remember one time we was at a track meet in my younger days, and a bird flew by and, and pooped on one of my friend's arms. It was terrible. We laughed at him the rest of the day. Right? But we understand about bird poop. Nobody likes that. That's why we wash it off our car. Right? And I, I ain't never, you know, I know, uh, uh, what's that? Uh, I, I like barbacoa. That's cow head. But I ain't never heard of nobody eating no uh, donkey head. Right? So, so they, it's, it's terrible. Things are really bad. Right? And so these guys, four leprous men who couldn't even go inside of the city, they're at the end, at the, uh, edge of the city and understand that they, their food was affected. Like we can't get the scraps. We can't get nothing. People, they ain't got food in there. We can't even get scraps. So you got four leprous guys on the edge of the city that say the wisest thing of anybody in the whole city. And I'm going to tell you what that was. Why sit we here until we die? In other words, we got to do something about this. If we don't do something, we're going to die. If we don't put our faith in God and do something unusual, maybe do something we've never done before, then we're going to fold up and it's all going to be over. Have you ever been in a situation like that and you said, listen, it's not working the way it's going. I got to do something in order to make it through what I'm going through. Ever been through something like that? This is my attitude towards the church and the whole reason why the project's going on across the street. I sit in the meetings and we discuss, you know, the, the, the financials and the history and all of that. Before I came here, uh, the, the previous pastor got to a certain point that he couldn't get paid. They had to sell some land in order to pay him. Right? Just money unstable. And so that's my attitude when I look around and I say, hey, man, we're not in a good situation. And I believe God sent me here. If God sent me over here, then I got to be able to stay. That means God got, we got to do some unconventional things. And so God provided some miracles. I told you about how before I came that the Lord gave me the money to be able to build an apartment up there. And we built an apartment and that put me in a situation where, hey, listen, you know, if if I don't get paid, sometime I can make it. Right. And so I I think I'm in a place right now, uh, probably half a year's salary is owed to me. And maybe I'll get it. I'm going to get it. Maybe I'll keep it. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll keep it. Maybe I won't. But I'll get it. But I wouldn't have been able to make it like that if God hadn't set certain circumstances up. But I can't live like that forever. At a certain point, I got to buy mama some new shoes. Amen. And so at a certain point, if we're going to make an impact on the community, we have to be better off financially at a certain point. You know, now I could, like I told you before, I could come in here and I could play manipulative games, and we can get a bunch of people in here and, and march around the whole fear thing and march around the whole kingdom cause. The, Jesus said this. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. It don't say the Son of Man came to set up a church where everybody feels good and we have potlucks, and that's what drives the vision of the church. That ain't what the Bible say. 
The Bible says that, that we want, we're seeking to save people's souls from eternal damnation. And seeking souls from eternal damnation requires some stability and it requires some, some resources. So we look at it and we say, hey, listen, our same attitude as these guys right here. Why sit ye here, we, we here idle? What can we do? Well, we got $1.5 million worth of concrete and sheetrock and studs sitting across the street that only get used on Sunday for children's church and the occasional fellowship. Why sit ye here unless, and, then, and die? We got to do something. Then you know, well, am I motivated to go through something? Listen, before we started this whole process, I couldn't even barbecue chicken. I had to get past the driver to come. He know it. But it didn't make no difference. God gave the idea. I got to make an emotional faith investment. Because we got to do something. See, I'm not, a, I'm not a giant of faith. I'm just a person with common sense. We got to do something. Right? I'm just somebody that got common sense and realized that we got to do something. And so in, in your own life, there's going to be times in your life where you, got to, you have to realize that we got to do something. You can sit there and, 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 and things can go terrible for you, right? And you can lose everything. Been there before, done that, bought the t-shirt. Or you can say, hey, I got, I got to trust God to make some moves. And so these guys say the same thing. We got to do something. Let's keep reading the story. He says, if we say we'll enter into the city, uh, we'll enter into the city, then the famine is in the city and we shall die there. So ain't nothing to eat back over here, right? Ain't nothing, ain't, ain't gonna work this way. And if we, if we sit, Still here, we'll die. If we don't do nothing, we're going to die. If we go back in the city, ain't nothing to eat. If we sit right here, we're going to die. He said, ain't nothing else for us to do but to do something that ain't we ain't never done before. Now, therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. He said, oh, we got to go to the enemy territory. We got to go through enemy territory means adversity, possible potential adversity. We got we might have to go through some adversity. He said, but if we sit here, we die. We you know we already know what's going on at home. We're gonna die. And they arose up in the twilight uh, to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were coming to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. Look at how their faith got rewarded. Because they said, I'm not going to allow fear to dictate my decision. I'm going to make a decision because a decision has to be made. We got to do something that we never done before. What's going on in your life that, that where there's a need and you putting a mask on talking about you content when you really need to go into enemy territory and see what a blessing of God is? Ask yourself that question. What's happening in your life? To where you need to take some, some courageous steps and do some stuff you've never done before because you need to take care of business. Verse 6. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear the, vo- the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, even the noise of the great host. And they said unto one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys and even the camp uh, as it was. And they fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, 
they went into the tent and did eat and drink and carried uh, this silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried this also and they went and hid it. So listen, now, their whole town, man, you better hear what I got to say today. Did you hear what I say? Their whole town, the whole city of Cleveland, famished. But four leprous people, people of no reputation, people that are looked down upon, people that have thought that they ain't going to do nothing. And I'm going to tell you something, that's been the reputation of this church. This church was the strongest church in the city of Cleveland. Some of the biggest churches and biggest pastors came out of this church. And they counted us out, but they counted out the wrong group of folks. While the whole city of Cleveland is there fighting over whose baby they're going to eat and paying a whole bunch of money for bird crap. They're sitting over there eating and drinking and carrying off silver. I believe that's the cross church. I believe that's our family. I'm not just talking about the building. I'm talking about the cross church people, the people whose hearts that are here. Why do I believe that? Because we're going to preach that until we be that. We're going to preach that till we beat it. Am I talking about these things so that you can buy you a, you know, a new Mercedes Benz, uh, buy you a big house? No. God don't mind you having that, but we're talking about kingdom. And if you look at what happened to these guys, after they ate, their stomachs were full, they sat around and burped off some Topo Chico's. And they counted money, they bathed in the, in the gold and the silver, making, you know how you make a snow angel, they're making gold angels. They got up and they said, it ain't right for us to keep this to ourselves. We got to go back and tell the rest of the city that's over there. So they understood that the blessing, listen, listen to me, write this down. The blessing of God is not just for you. It's for those that have needs around you. The blessing of God is not just for you. It's for those that have needs around you. So you, you could put that mask of contentment on. And you can say, hey, look, I got everything I need, but what about the people around you that don't have what they need? What about the people around you that don't have what they need? So understand that there, we have, what about the church that has needs on our mission to reach the world right here from Cleveland, Texas? And so when the pastor comes in there and he says, look, I got this crazy idea. We're going to do this, you know, to, to put us in a better situation to help the city of Cleveland. And you say, well, man, I would give, but I ain't got it. You want to know why you ain't got it? Because you didn't pursue it because you put the mask of contentment on and said, I got enough for me. But what about everybody else who needs you wouldn't go get nothing for them? I'm preaching good. I'm not way man. Do we understand need when I pass through the community and I go over to repair the breach and I see the people that every time I'm there, somebody coming in the office, they sit down. Hey, look, uh, we need groceries. Do they need groceries? We need groceries. We need clothes. We need this. I pass by the other food pantry folks, line of folks outside. And a lot of these folks are the same folks who have put on the mask of contentment, who are plagued by the epidemic of fear. Because they could be in the same situation as these people right here. They could be in the same situation as these people right here. They, the, the, the four leprous people said, hey, listen, we got to do something. What happened to the food pantry go down? What you going to do? They could be in the same position as these people right here. 
But you have to make a decision. Am I going to sit here and, listen, keep living week to week, paycheck to paycheck, always behind on my bills? No! I got to do something. I got to do something. But see, we'll sit up there and we, we, we put on a mask of contentment and say, I don't really need that. I don't really have to have that. If Jesus needed it, you need it. The Bible says that there are women, there were women in the scripture that ministered to Jesus of their substance. That means that there was women that had purses with money in it. Women always got money when a man ain't got none. I don't know how women always have money. The man, most of the, most of the time, the man is making the money, but the woman always got the money. How you, got, how you always got money in your purse? How did that work out, big kid? They always got $20. The man said, I ain't got nothing, I'm broke. The woman got 20, I got $20 in my purse. How y'all always got $20? The woman always got $20. The man will sit there and tell you, I ain't got nothing. The woman dig down inside the crack, crevice of her, and know she got it too. It ain't just lost it. It's in there. And so it says that women ministered unto him of their substance. Jesus needed a tomb for them to put him in after they crucified him. And the only way that the guy could loan the tomb is that the dude had the tomb. They went to go get the donkey from the man to carry him into the town. And the only way that they could get the donkey from the man is that the man had the donkey. You can't get stuff from somebody that don't have it. Amen? Somebody got Somebody say this with me. Say, somebody got to have it. It might as well be me. Okay, now watch this. I told you, tell the truth. Tell the truth. I don't want to listen. Listen, let me, now, I want y'all to make a deal with me right now and be honest with me right now. You say, man, I'm good, I'm content, my life is wonderful, and I have well, all that I need, this, that, and the other. And, and I feel the same way, right? I feel that I'm content. I'm not unhappy about my financial state, my happiness, my health, nothing. But if somebody came up to you, right, and you were given a choice and say, let me read how I wrote it down. How many of us given the choice to stay where we currently are in our finances, in our health, in our happiness, or to receive a briefcase with $12,000, be happier and healthier, would choose to decline the money and say, I'm going to stay where I'm at in my, ha- my current state of happiness, my current state of health. And, and see, I didn't put a million dollars down there. God told me not to do that because most of us can't relate to a million dollars. But if somebody say, I got a briefcase in you with $12,000 in there, I brought it to church for you today. How many of us are going to say, I don't want it? Ain't nobody in here going to say, I don't want it. But see, what we do is we say, when we start talking about how I'm happy with where I am and this, that, and the other, it's a mask. Because we don't want to make the emotional investment. And the truth of it is, you don't need nobody to bring you 12 grand. God can show you how to go get it. But we keep that mask of contentment on. Them brothers say, look, we got a, we got a need here. We got to do something. Right? Some folks scared to walk into the office and tell the people they want to raise. Some folks got to give you an idea on how to, how to make money. You just, man, I ain't going to do that. That might not work. And a lot of times we're surrounded by people who will tell you, oh, I wouldn't do that. Matter of fact, I had somebody, I had another pastor that told me about the restaurant. He said, I don't know if I would do that. If you got the money to do it, 
what you might want to do is you might just want to, uh, you know, sit on the sit on the money. It's true. You might just want to sit on the money and get a church that, you know, you know, spend it over the course of a year, you know, uh, spend it uh, tightly over the course of a year and, uh, 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 and give the church a chance to grow. I can't do what you say. That sounds good, but that's, why, no, that's not what God told me to do. And a matter of fact, you start talking about, listen, everything that God makes, it grows. You tell me one thing God made that don't grow. Somebody in here help me with that. That's why you have to pay people to cut your grass or you have to get out there and do it yourself. You tell me a flower that don't grow, that don't reproduce. I used to be small when I first showed up. I'm not no more. All of us, because it's the nature of thing, every living thing, it grows and it changes. Everything God ever made that lives, it grows and it changes. We, when we start school in kindergarten and we come out with a high school diploma, then we go to get a college degree, some of us. But everything God made, it, it changes and it grows. That's the nature of God. In fact, there was a time when one guy, he, the Bible says, how many of us ever heard the story of the talents? It says he gave one guy five talents, one guy, Jesus is telling this story. One guy got five talents, one guy got two, and one guy got one. It says the guy with the five talents, he went and he traded. And he came back to the master. He said, you gave me five. He said, I can't, and, I, and I brought back ten. He went to the guy with the two. He said, I went and I traded, and, I, and, and I'm bringing you back five. And the one guy, he comes over to him, who's wearing the mask of contentment. Really, it was fear up underneath the mask, because if you read in the scripture, the Bible, the Bible says that he tells him that he was afraid. That's why he didn't do nothing. So he says that, he said, uh, he came over and he said, hey, listen, uh, you know, you gave me one. I took it and I hid it in the ground, right? So nobody would get to it. Nobody. Ain't nobody going to get to it, uh, uh, master. Ain't nobody going to get to the money. I took it and stuck, uh, buried it in the ground and said, then I heard you was coming back to town. I ran over there and dug it up. I, and I want you to know that I didn't take no risk. And here thou hast that which is thine. I'm going to give it right back to you. And he thought the master was going to be impressed. And the master called him. He said, you're lazy and you're slothful and you're wicked. He called him wicked. He, and he said, because he, he, he told the master, he said, I was afraid. And so he didn't get pity from God. Oh, baby, you was afraid. You think Jesus is going to come to you like your grandmother. Right? Baby, you was afraid. That's all right, baby. You know, you got it back. Give it back to grandma. Give it on back. You were scared. You didn't do nothing. Just give it back. But Jesus didn't wear the grandma hat on him. Jesus said he put the grandpa hat on him. <laughs> grandpa don't act like grandma. Grandpa say, boy, didn't I tell you? You're supposed to do something with what I give to you? And you mean to tell me that you still went out there and dug this hole and stuck that thing in the ground and I come back and you ain't got nothing to give me but what I gave you? Come out, you were scared? Boy, don't you know I was scared when I was your age? How you think I took care of you? Because I went out there and took some risks. He expecting grandma, but grandpa showed up. And grandpa said, you're lazy, you're slothful, and you're wicked. Tell the truth. Why do I keep saying tell the truth? The Bible says, and thou shalt know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. If you just tell the truth and say, Lord, I so want to do better, but Lord, I'm scared. That we take the follow the lead of that one brother in the Bible. He said, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. 
God can work with you when you tell the truth. But you start running around there talking about, I don't want it. I'm good like I am. No, you're not. You're not good like you are. Because I, I sit there and I tell you, anybody walked in there coming in with that silver briefcase and put it in your lap and tell you, hey, look, boom. Ain't none of us going to turn that away. And the one person that'll say they ain't going to take it, they need help, mental help. <laughs> anybody that'll argue with me will do that. Because even if you don't keep it, if somebody come in here and give me a briefcase, 12, 12 grand in it, if I'm good and I don't need it, he might need it. He might need it. She might need it. Somebody I know need it. So I'm just going to say, no. Nah. What kind of sense that make? And I got all kind of relationships with people. Maybe you need two. Maybe you need a couple. Maybe you need some. Maybe, every, you know, we just go to spreading it around. 500 apiece for everybody. But see, some, see, the person that say, no, you already don't think like that. You already stingy. You think you're generous, but you're stingy. If you ain't thinking about other people, then you're selfish. If you're a giver, hey, man, yeah, I'll take that. I done had times when God gave me money. I know it wasn't for me. This ain't mine. But I'm going to hold on to it until he tell me to, to let him have it. But some of us can't even think like that. You would give away money? Say, man, listen, you can't keep something that God told you to give away. Now, you, it might not make it to the person that God told you to give it to, but let me tell you who's going to come get it. The repairman, the mechanic going to come get it. The AC man going to come get it. I mean, they had an AC breakdown. If you holding that money that God told you to come off of, AC man show up over that time, it's going to take 9000 It's going to take 9000 And you say, well, man, God so told me to give me that, give the folks that 9000 and now I got to give it to the AC repair man. Now, the story could work like this. Here, you run around here and, and God told you to get the money off. The AC repair man over there praying, Lord, I have a need. And in your disobedience, somebody still wind up getting blessed. So everybody got blessed except for you. Because you don't get credit for giving it when you had to pay it. Amen? We got to fix our thinking and stop lying to ourselves and understand something. If, 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 if I was in River Oaks, we wouldn't be talking about this. But I'm a man on a mission in Cleveland, Texas. I'm a man on a mission in Cleveland, Texas. And everybody in here that's been with me for any significant amount of time, you already know. I don't come in here trying to play games with you with your money and, and tell you, hey, look, oh, Lord, I mean, we need you to do this. And we, can we, you know, we're going to take up three offers a day to pay. I don't do that. I ain't never done that to you. Can somebody help me with amen? amen. I don't do that to you. But we got to be strong. We got to be strong. But in the times that we do need to do stuff, hey, we got to have it. That place across the street is going to help us have it. That's not going to take you off the hook, though. Because we, we do it from over there, that's not going to take you off the hook. God gave us all instructions on what we're supposed to do, sacrifices we're supposed to make. And we have to stop lying to ourselves and understand that we want to do better. We just don't want to trust God to do better. I'm going to read a couple of things and then we're going to be done. Let me pick what I'm going to finish with. 
Man, this is a whole nother separate part. I really, I got to do this though because some of y'all are shaking your head. I got to make, I got to finish turning the screw of your heart. Yeah, we read that already. Amen. All right, yeah. I read this last little piece right here. And where is this story? This is the story of the rich young ruler. Right? And I can't give you an address because I didn't save it in my notes. I Googled it. No, the story didn't know the address. You just Google rich young ruler story. I think it's in Mark. If I'm not mistaken. But it starts at verse 17, wherever it is. And it says, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Now, you have to stop. You have to think about this. When the guy ran up to Jesus, the guy understood who Jesus was and who Jesus proclaimed to be. So the guy comes up to Jesus and he calls him good teacher. Right. So if he calls him good teacher, Jesus's reputation is that he's the son of God. That's what's going around the town. Right? He's the, he's the savior of the world. This is who Jesus is. So you don't go up to somebody and call them good if they're a liar. You walk up to them and say, crazy man, how you doing today? So if he called Jesus good teacher, he must believe that he is the savior. Right? So he understands who Jesus is. No one is good except God alone. Right? So, you know, you know I proclaim, you know, or that, that you understand that I'm God. That's what's going around. You get, the, you get what's, what's happening. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said unto them, teacher, I have kept all these since my youth up. Now I will present to you right now, is that how the, that's, that, that's how the guy got wealthy in the first place. Because he kept the scripture. He obeyed God's word, applied it to his life, and that's how he got wealthy in the first place. Do you know that Jerusalem is one of the smallest places on the earth, but they have more uh, people on the Forbes, uh, I think it's the Forbes top 100 richest people than any other country in the whole world. And they're the smallest place, but they have more uh, billionaires and billionaires than anybody on the Forbes top 100 than anybody else. You think that's a coincidence? Because God taught them how to prosper, and they got it in their system that we're supposed to prosper. Now, people say all kinds, all, things about, all kinds of things about Jews. Oh, Jews, they try to swindle you, hustle you, this, that, and the other. They, they don't do that. They just understand about money and how money works. And they learn that from God. Right? So, all these have, can, have I kept since my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt, felt uh, a love for him and said to him, One thing thou lackest, go and sell all you possess and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. So Jesus, everybody look at it, and this guy's response, we know the story. The guy felt like God wanted to take something from him, but he wasn't trying to take something from him. He was trying to get something to him. Because he told him, he said, one thing you lack. You, you lack trusting me. He said, I want you to trust, trust me with uh, the thing that's most valuable to you. One thing that lacks, go and sell all that possess, and uh, give it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But all these words, but these words saddened. But at these words, he was sad and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus looking around said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter into the kingdom of God. 
Now watch the disciples' response after this. Right, we're finishing after this. Watch the disciples' response after this. The disciples were amazed at his words. Why? Why were they amazed? I just told you that the Jews have more folk on the on the Forbes uh, top 100 richest people list than anybody. It says that Jesus told him, he said, how hard it is for rich people to enter into the kingdom of God. It said the disciples were amazed. Now watch where it goes on. It says, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is for the kingdom of God, how hard it is to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now watch their response here again. And they were even more astonished and said unto him, then who can be saved? They said, you said rich people can't enter the kingdom of God. He said, who, who can be saved? Why would they say something like that? Because one, none, one, none of them broke. Because they understood going all the way back from the time they got out of, from the time in the Garden of Eden, where the Bible says that God put gold in the garden and set Adam and Eve up with everything that they needed to the time they left out of Egypt and he made the Egyptians give them all of their stuff. Then Joshua went to war and every place that they went, there was spoil after spoil after spoil. They were used used to and understood that God has the desire to bless his people. You can't break God. I don't want to ask this from God because I might take away from his supply. Man, you can't break God. The only thing you're doing is, 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 is deterring or slowing down the growth of the kingdom of God or causing somebody else to go through something they don't need to go through because you ain't got what you ought to have. You don't break God. So the story goes on. He says, looking unto them. Now watch what he says. Looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So he says, listen, yeah, you can have it. You can have it. Working with me. If you know me, yeah, you can have it. If your heart is for me, yeah, a rich man can make it. And I'll give you further proof of it. Go back and read about Job. The Bible says of Job, in the beginning of the chapter, God begins to brag on Job. And it says that Job, Job was the greatest man in the East. And then it goes to talking about his substance. And God said he was upright in his sight. So Job was a rich man that God gave approval to. And so we said, well, then you might say, well, wasn't Job the one who lost everything he had? But Job was also the one that God gave back double. We're not talking about, man, I'm going to, you know, be riding around here and buying purses. Do people still buy Gucci purses? Louis Vuitton, we're not talking about that stuff. I'm going to go get me a Mercedes. I believe her see. Big old house in a Mercedes. I believe in Jesus. I got diamond rings on every finger, gold teeth covered every mouth. I got a grill designed by Paul Wall and Johnny Dang. We're not talking about that. We're talking about you taking care of your family. We're talking about you taking care of the kingdom of God. We're talking about you sharing with your neighbors. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I'm done now. And we were talking about, uh, we, they were sharing with me 